The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. But right now, let's start, yep, with Keystone XL and efforts to try to change the mind of incoming U.S. President Joe Biden. We know transition documents leaked over the past 36 hours or so show one of the first things the new president is planning to do is to cancel the project. The Alberta government agreed last year to invest about $1.5 billion as equity in the project, plus billions more in loan guarantees. So you know that the Canadian leg of the project has been under construction for several months. There's about a thousand workers on the job in southeastern Alberta. The pipeline, just for a little background, was first announced in 2005 and is was expected to carry about 830,000 barrels of crude a day from the oil sands in Hardesty, Alberta, to Nebraska, and then connect with the original Keystone that runs to the U.S. Gulf Coast refineries. But by all accounts, it looks like the writing is on the wall. Uh, Joe Biden has been saying for months now that he would cancel the permit if he became president. He campaigned on that promise. Now Premier Kenny urging the U.S. administration to sit and talk with them about partnership, prosperity, and combating climate change together. Now earlier today, the Prime Minister uh, told reporters that Canada won't stop trying to convince Joe Biden of the merits of the expansion. We uh, continue to demonstrate the leadership that Canada has shown on fighting climate change and on ensuring energy uh, security uh, as, uh, as a priority for North America. We're going to continue to make that case, uh, and I look forward to speaking with Biden, uh, with uh, President Biden, uh, in the coming days. The PM was pressed a bit more on what plans he has to rescue the project. He says Canada's ambassador to Washington is making Ottawa's case with the highest levels of the Biden team. Over the past number of days uh, and continuing today, we are uh, communicating our arguments in favour of Keystone XL uh, directly to the highest uh, levels of this administration. All right, kicking things off this afternoon is James Coleman. He is an associate professor of law at Southern Methodist University in Dallas. In fact, he is teaching oil and gas law. He's also practiced energy and environmental law in Washington, D.C., and also taught law at the University of Calgary. James, welcome to the show. I appreciate you uh, joining us this afternoon. It's good to talk with you. All right, let's start with this. And the question that everyone wants answered, uh, James, is, is this over for Keystone XL? Well, that will depend on what the investors think. But certainly, they're going to have to wait a while. And I think it's a long shot that they're going to see any approval during the Biden administration because he has promised he was going to kill this pipeline and he has it looks like he's going to follow through on that promise so uh, you know i don't i doubt whether investors will want to wait uh, four more years and they could wait for the political winds to change uh, during mm-hmm. the biden administration but you'd have to say that's a long shot so so what you're saying then is that if, if investors want to hold off and see if there's as you said an administration change maybe they could get that permit put back in place there might be the opportunity uh, years down the road but uh, you gotta think that those investors are thinking that there might be better places uh, for their money right now especially since this has been going on for so long 
Yeah, 13 years is a long time to wait. And it's always possible that something could change sooner in energy markets or in the Senate that would cause President Biden to change his mind. But that seems like a real long shot. Yes, yeah, so I was going to ask you about that. Is there something there that could change um, uh, President-elect Biden's mind? What if uh, energy prices went up? What, what, what would that, you know, <laughs> what planets would have to align for that to happen? <laughs> Well, well, certainly there's a number of reasons already that President Biden could use to change his mind, whether it's, uh, you know, increasing indigenous support or investment in the pipeline, whether it's, you know, the carbon pricing in Canada and with that potentially rising. You know, there are things that he could point to, but clearly those have not made the difference so far. And so then you, you, what else could change his mind? Well, it's going to be a 50-50 Senate and he'll need every last vote. One of his close allies, Senator Carper from Delaware, has supported Keystone XL, as has Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Tester from Montana. So, And they have a lot of leverage right now. Now, I just don't think there's any reason to expect they would use their leverage to get Keystone XL approved. But it's always possible that something could change, especially if you saw a bipartisan, uh, bipartisan infrastructure bill or something of the kind. So I'm not, I wouldn't say it's a 0% chance, but it's a very low chance. So, okay, so are you talking 5% or, or are you willing to put a number on yeah. that? Uh, well, I, I don't think I could. I, I probably couldn't responsibly put a number on it, but I'm willing to do it anyway. Yeah, 5%. That sounds good. <laughs> okay. James Coleman joining me this afternoon. have to ask you, I mean, should anyone be surprised that this happened? It seems like the Alberta government is quite surprised that this has happened. It seems like Premier Kenny uh, is surprised and obviously quite, um, you know, upset that it's happened. And I mean, you look at that investment at 1.5 bill, um, you know, but uh, I mean, when he, when Biden had been talking about this for months on end, I'm not sure how anyone could be surprised. No, I think that's right. And he's promised this since May. And you know, frankly, none of the options in the Democratic primary seemed likely to allow this pipeline to go forward. Now, I mean, what you might be seeing from the Alberta government is a little bit of rhetoric. You know, you say, oh, surely you wouldn't want to uh, den- you know, deny this pipeline. Uh, so I, I frankly don't think that the Alberta Alberta government could honestly be surprised given the promise he's made since May. And, you know, frankly, there's always been a policy case for this pipeline, but it's always been clear, uh, even when he was vice president, uh, uh, then Vice President Biden opposed the project. So I just think, yeah, no, this is not surprising. You know, when he is, um, there's a lot of people questioning about why, um, you know, Alberta Premier Kenny you know, might have not just waited a few more months uh, to see which president got into the White House and then maybe um, decided whether or not to sink that money in there. We know that a lot of these um, projects uh, are hard to build without government support. Um, you know, it, it, would you have recommended? recommended him to, to wait a few months? Well, that, you know, that's obviously a calculated risk. And if and if what he was looking at was that the pipeline project was simply going to be dead without the investment, then, mm. yeah, it's, it's a very uncomfortable decision to make. And um, and he was probably making that you know, privy to information that I don't have about exactly was the project absolutely dead without the investment uh, mm. and what is the you know, economic impact of the project. Because exactly as you said, it seems now that it's very hard to build these interprovincial energy projects or you know multi-jurisdictional energy projects 
without some kind of government support. And certainly if you look at the example of the Trans Mountain expansion, that's another case where, you know, that got done because of that government investment. Was that government investment a risk given that time the federal court of appeals decisions they were dealing with? Certainly. So, you know, it may be, you know, that government investment may be necessary to get some of these Mm. projects built, but it's not enough by itself. As we can see, it may not be enough in this case. Yeah, it's great when it works, but it's uh, it's a real kick in the butt when it doesn't, to say the least. All right, so uh, the Alberta government saying it plans to seek compensation through uh, legal action if this uh, project is uh, is kibosh. Is there is there a case there, James? What would that look like? Well, probably the most likely thing would be a claim under NAFTA, though it's of course been replaced by the uh, you know, USMCA at this point. There's still, you can still bring claims under it for your know, investments that were already uh, undergoing. And if you look back after the second time this pipeline was rejected in November 2015, that TransCanada at that point said it was going to bring a claim. That was in early 2016 under NAFTA, and it was going to ask for $15 billion. Presumably, the price tag would be bigger this time. The re- real central part of that claim was that TransCanada, that Keystone XL, had been treated in a discriminatory fashion. And on the facts of the case, you have to say it looks a lot like discrimination because President Obama said several times, I would have approved this if it was American oil, but it's Canadian oil, so I'm denying it. And that's the kind of, you know, thing that would give a government lawyer heartburn. Um, So they do have some good facts. The, the, The problem is that the U.S. has never been found liable under under NAFTA, and they've had bad facts in the past. So I would, you'd have to, if I were advising the province, I would say the chances of you getting your money back are certainly much less than 50-50. All right. You know what? I'm curious. I was reading an article that uh, that you penned recently um, talking about, I think, uh, yeah, yes, he can, Joe Biden's power to stop pipelines. And, and I thought it interesting that there had been commentators out there saying, hey, you know what? He might not have um, the, the, the presidential authority to rescind, uh, rescind an existing permit for a cross-border pipeline. But uh, your article... Uh, outlines uh, very, very clear that yes, 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 in fact, he does have all the power in the world to do it. Yeah, it's a very odd sort of corner of U.S. law because, of course, usually the way things that work in the United States is Congress passes a law and the president enforces it. But Congress has never passed a law about oil pipelines crossing the international border. So basically what's happened in the, for the last 60 years is the president has just asserted unilateral authority to regulate them. And that's why, you know, President Trump, when he was dealing with some problems with the courts, just reissued a permit for TransCanada and says, hey, I'm approving it under my unilateral presidential power. This isn't controlled by any laws. So that obviously gives President Biden the reverse power to say, okay, well, then I'm unilaterally getting rid of it. Um, there was a lawsuit that TransCanada, then TransCanada, in, late, in early 2016 filed saying, well, that shouldn't be the case. The president is only supposed to do things under laws passed by Congress. And so we don't really need that presidential approval to build um, the pipeline. That, I, you know, that again, it's a plausible argument. I'm not sure that it gets the pipeline built. And the reason for that is, you know, it's just really hard to sue your way to successful construction of a project. Because even if they got around this presidential permit hurdle, there's a bunch of federal water crossings. And the Biden administration could potentially hold up all of those.
So we we know here um, in Canada, line three uh, appears to be going ahead. I think some of the the permit the, the permits around that were um, were stamped were were received uh, just a short time ago. We have Trans Mountain moving forward. The impact on on losing Keystone XL for for uh, for Canada. Um, what does that look like? Well, uh, you know, it may not be that big if uh, if line three goes forward and with trans mountain expansion i mean i think conventional wisdom among sort of finance folks has been you just need two out of three but um i would not i would not be entirely comfortable that line three is going to go forward because just because you have your permits right that doesn't um you know they're they're at the end of the obama administration things that had already had federal permits the administration sort of would decide last second to stop and certainly with a change of administration with the biden administration coming in they may there are things that they could do to hold up those projects furthermore there's going to be lawsuits coming in and you know keystone xl had all its permits the problem was lawsuits held up its construction and you may see the same thing with line three so I'm not saying that Line 3 will face the same fate as Keystone XL, and we don't know what the Biden administration will think of Line 3. But I just mm-hmm. would say that that is not risk-free. So um, so I think if, you know, if I were in the Canadian oil and gas industry, I would be very concerned about Line 3. I'd be concerned about Line 5, although it's a little bit of a different issue, um, yeah. you know, with sort of exports to Ontario. But but I would be uh, concerned about all of those. And, you know, very much the the focus of environmental groups is now you know we've stopped new oil pipelines we want to start going after the existing ones and of course Mm. you know virtually all canadian exports go to the united states almost all of them by pipeline and if they are able to successfully go after some of those existing pipelines it could be really uh it could be very bad for the canadian oil industry James, before I let you go, um, uh, if when this does happen, uh, that that, uh, President-elect Biden cancels the project, what does that look like as far as tearing up the pipe, the cost to whom? I'm guessing it's to to TC Energy. What does that look like in the timeline on that? Well, we don't know the timeline, um, but and you know it might it probably have to wait for spring. It is it is uh, you know it is the Montana border after all. But but <laughs> it is a um, but the permit and actually this is true of the permit that was granted by President Trump as well says explicitly that if it's revoked, TC Energy is responsible for paying to get rid of it. So in other words, TC will have to go rip out uh, to go rip up the pipe that it is put in already so yeah it's it is harsh um and um but we don't know that we don't know the timeline i know that you're not a a political scientist that you are a a law professor but we keep hearing from uh the premier here uh in in alberta saying that this would be uh, a big blow to canada u.s relations uh your comments uh, on 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 that which we've heard quite a bit um uh, repeated over the past 24 hours well, I, you know, it may be true. It may be true, and I and I think that you know Canadians have reason for frustration, and certainly you know investors, which now includes all of Alberta's uh, population mm-hmm. in the in the pipeline, have reason for frustration with the way they've been treated by the U.S. government and courts. However, uh, you know the Canadian-U.S. relationship has survived this happening twice previously. So I imagine, um, you know, I imagine it will continue uh, to to survive. But certainly, it is 
you know, it is awkward, and it's definitely, um, you know, it isn't getting things off on the right on the right foot, specific, especially when Canada has said, you know, this is one of their big priorities, and then, you know, it's a leak before you even enter office. You know, sorry, you're not you're not getting your way on it. Yeah. It's awkward, but but um, but you know, I guess the Canada and the U.S. have gotten through worse. James Coleman joining me this afternoon. We'll leave it there. I look forward to chatting with you again in the future. Thank you for this. Thank you so much.